the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Results. In case you're wondering who the amazing guest is today, it is Matt Bertram. And for those who don't know who Matt is, he is the head of digital strategy at EWR Digital, a leading digital marketing agency based out of Houston for over 20 years that works with top brands in the traditional and Web3 space. He's the CMO of OGGN, the largest podcast network focused on the oil and gas space, and also hosts two well-received podcasts, Houston Business Podcast, presented by the BBB and SEO Podcast, The Unknown Secrets of Internet Marketing. That's sponsored by RFs and other top platforms with over 4 million downloads, 55,000 monthly loyal listeners, and he's been recognized as the most popular digital marketing podcast on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Matt. Matt, tell us what is the biggest, most badass professional accomplishment that you're most proud of? I think getting paid to talk right? (laughs) Getting paid to talk is pretty fun. One of the things that uh, was pretty exciting is I went to Bitcoin Miami uh, not too long ago and I got to the event and I had paid for a ticket, but I didn't realize that there was like an industry day. And then there was something called a whale day that was like 15K to be part of it. And I was, and so I got there a day early. I was leaving like the next day. I I just was flying into Miami, flying out. And I was like, I got to utilize this day as best I can. And I'm not even, I don't even have access to the conference. And so I started walking around the building. I go, I don't know how I'm going to get in here. Like, can I buy a ticket? What's going on? And then I saw a bunch of people going in the door and I walked, I just followed them in and everybody's there to volunteer. And they're like, you're here to volunteer. And I was like, yep, sign me up. <laughs> I and am like, oh, you're not signed up. I was like, yeah, no, sign me up. And then, uh, and then uh, they're like, okay, we're going to put you like by the trash bin back around by the garage, like security. And I was like, oh, I don't know. It's kind of hot outside. I was like, do you have anything else? And she was like, what do you want? And I was like, speaker reception. And she was like, oh yeah, we don't actually have anybody in that area. I'll just assign you to it. And I was like, okay. So she assigns me to it. And so at this event, there's this, you know, industry day, right? So everybody in the industry, it's a premium ticket. Then there's something called the whale area, which is like 15 K. Okay. Just for this event to be part of this special area. Yeah, it's you know, one like ticket costs 15 K, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. crazy. And then then there was like the VIP reception and, and then there was media, right? And so certainly if you're doing podcasts, you can sometimes get into conferences with like media, but you got to apply for that away in advance and all this sort of thing. But so they put me in the speaker reception and, you know, I guess like a claim to fame, like most recently is, you know, Mr. Wonderful was in there, like just with his like little team. So I got to talk to him for like, you know, not like a ton of time, but more than just like a picture and a high, like actually got to engage, talk to him. He did a podcast in there. And, and so uh, what I found out of the person sponsoring that room that later we connected and, and he like hooked me up and took me to a bunch of other stuff. Like he was like, I didn't hire any, I didn't have any volunteers in the room. And so I went from like not having a ticket, you know what I mean? To this day to working the VIP where I was, and I met some people walking through the, the whale area because I would have to go back and forth through there. And um, I was helping out a lot of the speakers. And so the event 
was just phenomenal through, I guess, ingenuity. And I met some great people that I don't think I would have been able to interact with. And so just the ability to talk and, and just kind of like being able to think on your feet, I think is something that I'm most, I guess, proud of or impressed with because it was, it was really a great event, but it could have been like, I could have got there and just held up in a coffee shop and just not done anything and then missed like the whole conference. But I was like, I need to get in here. These are all the industry people that I need to meet because, you know, we do marketing and, you know, I certainly want to uh, continue to develop our footprint in the Web3 space. And so it was just something that I was like, we're going to, I want to make this happen. So I think that, that, that I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> yeah. And so tell us real quick, the journey of you being a paid speaker. So that, that, that's pretty cool. That that's what you're most proud of. And of course, it's something that a lot of people want to do. And so tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this, I, I, I didn't speak at this event. I was just working the uh, speaker reception area as a volunteer, but certainly I know a number of the speakers that are in the Bitcoin kind of like speaker circuit. I've done a few paid talks. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm like a paid speaker, but I can tell you that, you know, speaking is not as hard as you think it is if you know what you're talking about, right? If you're trying to do a presentation of slides that you put together and, or you're trying to read something or it's scripted, that's when it's difficult. But if you know the information well, and you can communicate it clearly in a conversational way and speaking, I think is a lot about energy. Like it's a transference of energy and getting the crowd involved. And it's, it's about not what you're saying, but, and I think you've said this in a previous podcast, it's about how you make them feel. It's about mm-hmm. the experience that they had for themselves, what they learned for themselves in the course of your talk. And so it's really nice to even like in big groups, get them to break up into like talk to the person next to you or break into a group and share this. And if they can get something out of it for them, they're going to remember it. And if you can engage the crowd, that's what people like is people like having a memory of what it was for them, not of you talking. And I think, you know, that's something that as you move into speaking, it's really important to, to feel the room. And if you're talking about something, you know, Hey, everybody stand up, you know, everybody clap your hands or whatever to, to try to get some energy put into them, I think is a lot of what it's about. And, and that goes more like when I speak, it's not so much paid speaking, which would certainly be nice, but it's more like selling from the stage because we offer a lot of different kinds of services. So it's, you add some value and then you're like, Hey, if you want more, come, come to the back of the room and like, check it out. Right. And so I think I've done a lot more of that. Certainly done some paid talks, but that's not where we, we drive our revenue from. Also, you know, you mentioned a number of podcasts. Now the OGGN network is fully driven off of sponsorship money, but the other podcasts I do, it's really a support function of, of, of a larger business or a larger goal. And so it generates like expertise, trust, authority, all those sort of things. Yeah. Well, it's, and tell us, uh, and I think people forget about that sometimes is that being able to sell from stage is sometimes a better skill than just being able to get booked on stage because that's where the money is made is, is not just being paid to speak, but being able to sell to your audience from stage. 
So if you can talk a little bit about that, um, if you're okay bragging about, you know, what, how much have you been able to sell in one presentation or what percentage of the room were you able to sell? I'd love to hear more of your experience with that. Yeah. So, so that goes along, right? Like when we were talking in the pre-interview, like, you know, written some books out there, you know, you can get them on Amazon or, or what have you build your brand mania, rise of the personal brand. Like people think that you write a book to like make money on the book sales. And if you're going to make money on the book sales, you're writing like a book, like every couple of months, like some of the, yeah. the, the big authors that are, you know, I mean, I'm Amazon bestseller, but like New York bestseller and international bestseller and all that kind of stuff. Like they're writing a book every couple months because there's a bell curve of like what's happening. I'm really using the books and all the money I make from book sales. I just run as promotional ads as a, like a self-fulfilling offer as far as to drive more awareness. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I'm trying to sell the book and make money. It's that you're trying to expand or amplify what you're doing as a brand, if that makes sense. And so, you know, selling from stage is absolutely the best. One to many podcasts is the best. But if you have actual people in front of you in a specific niche, you can speak directly to them. And if you know what their problems are, you can solve their problems. And so, you know, I mean, speaking from stage, like, you know, we've landed a lot of big companies. I mean, I, I've worked with some Fortune 500 companies. Like, it's weird too. There's actually this uh, conversation going on on LinkedIn that I'm part of, and it's called like dark social. I don't know if you heard about it. It's kind of, no, it's, tell it's, us about it's, that. it's just a bunch that? of guys that are starting to like try to, like, just like uh, HubSpot, for example, coined the phrase inbound marketing, right? They're trying to coin this phrase dark social. And what dark social is, is basically social like connections or lead or information that's being passed that you can't really track very well, right? So the thing about podcasts, it's not super great is they don't give you all the information or not all the platforms all give you all the information of who the users are and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So again, you're, it's like you're using hash data and you got to kind of figure it out and link it together to different platforms from analytics and stuff like that. And so, so really some people have coined the term dark social and social media because, you know, we do this podcast, someone sees it, someone shares it in a chat, then somebody else shares it out in their company email. And then that person posts it on their social media. And then, you know, somebody runs an ad over here and then they mention you in a blog post or whatever, right? Like you don't, you can't find the uh, attribution of where that lead came from. And so you know, I think who it was that, that said the quote, marketing is great, but I don't know which 50% of it worked or, you know, I, I, I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember exactly who said that. That was uh, Ogilvy and Mather. I think it was mm. uh, Ogilvy, but it, essentially as far as like direct sales from stage, it's a lot of like people come to you and I'm not selling, like I'm not hard selling. Like certainly I've been to those conferences where someone's hard selling, like buy this package and you'll get this deal. It's more of, for me at least, how I've done it. And, and, and really your sales process has got to be comfortable to you. It's more of an inquiry capture, right? Like, let's do a discovery. Let's do a call and talk about it. Like, tell me a little bit about your business. Give me some more information on what you're looking to do. And then it's really like a lead capture. And then, you know, we follow up on it. And I haven't, I haven't tracked it as well, but I'm not going, I have this course you know, buy this course right now and I'll give you 50% off or whatever. And then really selling from stage is a lot of, you know, value stacking, right? And it's like, 
and you get these books and you get this course and you get access to me and you got this mastermind and you got this one-on-one stuff and like all this, you know, 20,000, 50,000, hundred thousand dollar value I'm going to give you for 300 bucks or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I'm not necessarily doing that. A lot of the stuff that I'm coming in to speak on is marketing specific, right? So I'm giving a talk about maybe something for that niche or that industry that's specific where I'm talking about SEO or how SEO could work for them. For example, like PodFest, the conversation was more about how to do SEO for podcasts and how to get organic leads from Google for podcasts, right? So it's very specific, but do I have like course on it that you need to buy? Or am I like, do I have this package that's like SEO for podcasters? Now, there's a certainly a lot of other agencies out there that I've seen that are doing that. And they they seem to have a package together and it's pretty premium as far as what they're charging. You know, again, like I, I haven't used any of those services, so I don't know. But typically I like to talk to people, understand what their needs are, and then you craft a bespoke package for them. And how we do it at our agency is we figure out what you need and then we scope everything out in a scope of work for hours. And then basically it's hours times our rate. And that's what we charge, right? So mm-hmm. here's what we think it's going to take. And then here's how long we think it's going to take. And so then I would just multiply it. And then here's your cost. And then we track progress on a weekly basis. And a lot of times people are starting to see value because we're providing a lot of transparency. We're tracking our time. People are liking it. And then from there, they tend to grow their services. And so Typically, our only standard thing is, you know, it's got to be at least a $10,000 project for us to get engaged because, you know, I have about 40 people on the team. And so 40 people are on your team, those contractors or employees? uh, It's a mix, right? Since since COVID's happened, we've changed our model. We've gone fully online. So we are hiring people remote, really like. English first is is pretty important uh, from what I've found from where mm-hmm. we're hiring people. But now, yeah, we've hired a lot of contractors and that's been able to grow. But typically we have a core team of W-2s that are in the States. But previously, right, pre-COVID, it was all W-2s and it was all in Houston. Okay. And mm-hmm. so that model is like, okay, we opened up the hiring to the United States and then we hired bringing on some Canadians. And then we hired some South Americans. And then now, you know, we, we've started to go East and we started to hire people on a different time zone. And so there's all these challenges with that stuff. But I would tell you that, you know, if you're going to hire, depending on your project, you might need a freelancer, right? Or you might need a augmented staff person that you could go through even a staffing agency where they vet and they give you somebody great. Or you might know somebody in your network, or there's a lot of sites like Upwork and stuff like that, that you can find people, but some work like really like managed services, I think is more of a category or a title of like, I want turnkey SEO or paid media. And I, I really just want you to drive the whole thing and take care of it for me. And I don't want to manage it. And typically you need project managers, account managers, and then a team to do that. And that's more than a freelancer. And freelancers, you typically have to like manage or you attach them to their company. So based on what you need and what what you're doing depends on how you need to hire. And then also there's a lot of nuances of hiring like offshore people. You know, there's certain roles that we hire, you know, only US-based people, you know, and we've tried to hire 
offer people for different kinds of roles. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There, it's, it's a constant learning process. But, but yeah, I don't know what your question was. I'm sorry. But, I like uh, no, I, I was, I was you, well, the first question I asked was like, yeah, the mix of contractors versus full-time employees. Cause you know, having 40 people that to manage it is pretty cool, but I want to go backwards. Tell us more about the, the journey and the story of what it takes to go like how much time and effort and like, tell us about the journey and story of like what it takes to build a seven figure digital marketing agency. I know people love to hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just to answer your question on the mix, I think we're probably about 50, 50 right oh. now. You know, we, we just brought on two more W2 employees. So like, I mean, it just really in today's world, it depends on everybody's situation and it's certainly flexible. We are hiring by the way, we are hiring. Oh, so, nice. and we got a lot what of podcasts. You so if, you, if you got podcasting people like doing editing or promotion or social media, like super, super interested if, if people want some contract work. So we're, we're certainly flexible in that area. But to answer your question, it's hard to start a business. And I came into a business that was uh, already formed. It's been around 20 plus years and kind of worked my way up to running all the strategy at the company and taking a, a lead equity role in the company. But what I can tell you is like, I'm still working like till 4am some nights. I mean, it's, wow. you know, like, as you grow and you're building processes, when you're moving to more like enterprise level, there's a lot of things when you're smaller, you just can't do the same way. And then you have to really jump or reach in growth to get new clients, to get new people, to get new processes. Because there's a, if you look at digital agencies, there's a ton of digital agencies that are like, let's say, I don't know, 10 clients, give or take 15 clients, something like that. And then there's a number of companies that are like a hundred plus right? Uh, clients. And those are, you know, they'll, they'll be publicly traded or they'll be, you know, national, multinational companies. If you look at digital agencies, like in between there, there's almost none. It's just like Death Valley or something like you're like literally because you have to run with the big processes, but you're still a small company. And maybe you don't have the revenue to hire all the people in the different roles. Like I think on one of your previous podcasts, you're talking about the E-Myth, right? Mm-hmm. Where you map out like all those different hats. And like at the company right now, I still have four hats. So I'm running four jobs like at the company while still pushing. And that just takes a ton of time. And so a lot of times, you know, my day gets eaten up with meetings and then the night you have to work on it. Now I try to only work like one late night a week down from two late nights, but sometimes, you know, working at an agency, you have deadlines, you got to get it done. But I'm always kind of like, I need to hire more people. I need to hire more people. Because, but I need to hire the right people. We got to get them on board. We got to get them trained. They got to get integrated with our process. And so, you know, I'm always looking for like good people and I'm trying to like take those hats off and hire people for all those areas. But also I got to have enough revenue to pay for those people because when you're running a consulting business, your main cost is like brains. Like it's like brains for hire and, you know, you have different teams. And so, you know, it's, it's just a running a consulting firm is a lot. And so that's why there's a lot of small ones. And then there's, you know, a number of big ones that have all the big processes. And then there's almost nobody in the middle. And so we're like a mid-sized agency that like, I'm just like running as fast as I can every quarter to keep growing and getting bigger clients to hire better people. It's like that video game or, or if you've ever played like a video game where you like race around the track you know, and then you upgrade your tires or your engine or like mm, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of yeah. feel is like every time 
we get paid revenue wise, like again, like another month or another quarter, it's like, all right, like, what can we upgrade? What do we need to change? What, you know, what needs to happen? What's, what's on the agenda? So right now we're doing, we, we do campaigns on a three month basis. So right now we're closing out uh, the second quarter, getting ready for the third quarter. And we're doing all the strategy and prep work to say, Hey, here's what we're going to do for the next three months. Cause a lot of, I think agencies, you know, and again, like, I don't, I don't know everyone and I'm, my head's down focused on what we're doing, but it seems like, you know, month to month, it's very hard to plan out strategy and month to month, like it can get stale sometimes if you're offering like a templated service. And so attrition or, or apathy is like one of the number one reasons why people leave businesses. And so we always go, here's our strategy. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're working on. Here are the deliverables you're going to get. And then they know what they're paying for. Right. And then boom, that happens. We look at the, the data, we make adjustments. And we plan it out. So a lot of our clients are actually like five year. We have a couple like pushing on 10 year clients that wow. Like I'll give you an example. We had a pool company, a pool cleaning company that we were doing marketing for. Uh, they came to us when they were like on the fence of like, is this gonna work or not? They only have like 30 pools. Now they're the largest pool company in Houston. They have over like 1,300 pools. Wow. And they've been able to pass the business to their kids. And so now we're doing marketing for the kids and we're doing some more you know, advanced stuff too. It's pretty cool. But I had to resell. We had to reconvince the agency. We were the right agency that of the agency of their parents. Right. And so Mm. a lot of who I'm working with or connect with our team are typically like generational wealth or, you know, businesses that have been built and then the kids are taking it over and they like go, Hey, I love how you built the business. You built it off of referrals or print or whatever, radio. We actually have a company that's spending like a million dollars a month in radio. And we're like, Hey, like digital marketing is a thing too. And so, you know, we're trying to like, you know, bring them to the kind of up to date with the new strategies and what's going on to revitalize their businesses. And so, yeah, I mean, all I can tell you is building a business, like it's all about like your word and delivering what you say and being accountable. And people can remember that that's what people, like you got to have that piece of it. If people are going to, uh, work with you. Right. And so sometimes it's like whatever it takes to make sure that you're doing that, right. Dropping the ball, responding to emails, all that sort of thing. So I just hired somebody that's been doing a 30 year personal assistant for oil and gas executives, as wow. well as like banks. And she's going to actually help manage my email. Right. Because mm-hmm. if I'm doing a project or I'm in meetings or I'm traveling or whatever, I don't look at my email, but maybe once a day, maybe twice a day, max, unless I'm looking for something. And so, you know, I have to really keep my eye on it to make sure I don't miss anything. And I'm getting a lot of emails. And so I just was like, Hey, I need to hire somebody to actually manage all my emails to make sure I'm getting back to people, stuff's getting on the calendar. Things are being coordinated. Like it just, you know, I had a marketing assistant and now she's doing something else at the company. She's kind of like grown to do that. And so now like I'm hiring a personal assistant that's going to manage the calendar and, like, think about it, like doing mowing your lawn. Like I love mowing the lawn, but mowing the lawn, I can pay somebody to mow the lawn and then I can go do some consulting work or go land a client and it's much more efficient of the time. So right yeah. now I'm in a big kind of time efficiency standpoint because, you know, I'm getting older and I, I can't work till 4am and, you know, 2am and, you know, midnight, like all these nights. And like, I'm trying to like, what is it? Eliminate, automate, delegate, or reposition, right? There's a or think it's the, yeah, the four D's from uh, David Alds, get it done. Like do defer delegate drop. 
uh, the four D's that he, he talks exactly, about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm, yeah. I'm like, I think that that's probably one of the number one things is as soon as you can start handing off stuff quicker that other people can do, not you, and they're never going to do it at the level that you want to do it. But if they can get it done, like in a decent expectation, start handing that stuff off as soon as you can. That would be my biggest like recommendation, I guess, you know? Yeah. And I'd love to hear more details of the, the case study with the, the pools. And before you dive into that, can any quote unquote business utilize digital marketing? And I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I would divide digital marketing into a couple different categories, right? When you talk about SEO or anything related to SEO on, you know, making your stuff show up higher in, you know, Google or YouTube or anywhere, right? That's, that's about optimizing for the algorithm, for the uh, machine learning, for the search engines, right? Like the SERPs. And SEO is really great at demand harvesting, right? So there's got to be existing demand of people searching for it. So you come up at the top. And so we do a lot of analysis to figure out, is there demand, right? Mm -hmm. If there's demand, the strategies to capture demand are really like different than demand generation, right? How do you figure out if there's demand? There's tools. There's like listening tools that you can use like Ahrefs or SE ranking or SEM rush or Google keyword mm-hmm. planner or your search console or Google analytics or whatever. Well, actually search, uh, search consoles, your data and Google analytics is your data. So it'd be more like Google keyword planner, like Google keyword planner only gives you paid keywords. They don't give you organic keywords. So Uber suggests keywords everywhere. I mean, hopefully one of these like ring a bell, right? But Mm -hmm. basically a keyword research tool is what you need to find out. So like for podcasts, you know, SEO podcasts, best SEO podcasts, like there's a lot of search volume for that, or there's a decent amount. And, you know, we're doing SEO optimized strategies on our website for our podcast to target those, right? And for each other podcast, it'll be a little bit different, but then you can utilize blogs and on-page optimization to start ranking for the things or the topics you want to rank for. But again, there's got to be search volume, right? And if people aren't searching for it, you have a whole different problem. You're not trying to harvest and get in front of the demand that's already there. You're trying to get people to raise their hand and you're trying to generate that, right? And Mm. so to generate that demand, typically, typically, you're going to need to run ads or you can leverage the organic platforms. Now, you know, it's shifted a little bit. So that's the live, that's the reels, right? Like, so, so you're capturing that organic, traffic. like a post on Facebook doesn't do anything, but you've posted the reels. That's where you're going to get the visibility. And so it's all about yeah. what the platforms want to promote, right? Like when they wanted to promote Facebook live, like they'll show it to everybody based on the algorithm. And now they're like, no, we don't care. And then LinkedIn right now is like, Hey, like LinkedIn live, we'll show it to a ton of people. And they're giving your posts organically a lot of views because they're trying to get to a certain threshold of users. So social works great, but it's got to be the right platform, right? So like TikTok, you can get a ton of views on TikTok right now, but is that the demographic you're targeting, right? So there's a lot of strategy considerations to figure out the media channel, but also on media buys. Like I'll give you an example. You can run ads on Reddit, like to the subgroups, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right. You Mm -hmm. You can run ads on Pinterest for like a construction company. I mean, because what do mm-hmm. people look on Pinterest? Mostly one of their biggest segments is people looking at remodels of kitchens and bathrooms to get ideas. And then you're a contractor and like popping up right there in, in a geographic area to the target demographic, right? Like brilliant, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a lot of different ways to use these platforms to design these strategies to reach those people, 
but you're essentially trying to get people to raise their hand. And then you're trying to drive them to a funnel where you capture their information in some way, you retarget them, you hit them with the email or text or ringless drop or whatever. And then you get them to your site and you get them to sign up for some kind of like consultation, or you just maybe get them to buy whatever it is. But like e-commerce is different than services. I mean, again, everything's very, very nuanced of what you're trying to do. And that's what we do a lot for the podcast, right? Like bestseopodcast.com. If you go there, you know, you can see some of our episodes. We're, we're doing, we're starting to do some like trainings and masterminds and all that. But like the number one thing that people do is they're like, Hey, I want to talk to you about my business. And so we have paid consulting sessions where you can buy an hour of my time. And then basically I jump on and we'll use all these tools and all the knowledge I have. And I'll really quickly look at everything and tell you what I think and what you should do. And here's what maybe your competitors are doing or like whatever, answering your questions. And then what typically happens from that is either they can go off and do it or they have somebody or it's a second opinion for what they're currently doing, or they'll be like, Hey, I'm interested in hiring you. And then I'll flip them over to the agency. So our podcast has always been for the last like 10 years, really a, a lead gen model. We've just recently started to accept sponsorships. And then that's allowed us to hire more staff to then do more things to like do a better job. Right. Cause it's all comes down to, I think really time management, like yeah. everything, or you can't manage time. Right. Do you have some, some good quote on that, Andrew, on, on time management? Cause you can't manage time. And, but like, um, I, I like, uh, I just got done uh, this year or end of last year reading the big leap by Gary Hendricks. I'm not sure if you've read that book yet, but I highly recommend it. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've learned is that you can always create time as that's, you know, when people say they don't have time, that means that they're not allocating the time that they need to get the job done. You know, classic example is like, you know, you might be working away. But then all of a sudden, if uh, you know the ceiling falls in your arm and it's broken, you're like, well, crap, I have to stop working. I have to go to the hospital. And like, so you can always create time. And uh, so that's what I've learned. But of course, you also want to make sure you're using time effectively and efficiently. And I know there's a million time productivity courses, but I know at the center of it is just like understanding that you are in control of your time in some shape or form. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's really good. I mean, that's certainly... If you like, as you get older, I feel like, and you get more responsibilities and stuff, like you just have less and less time. Right. So when you're younger, you don't Mm -hmm. have maybe like the financial wherewithal, but you have all this time. And if you use that time effectively, you can transfer that to like revenue or uh, financial security. But like, once you start like securing a lot of that, then you don't have any time. And so then it's like, how do I get that time back? Like, so now it's like, how do I buy that or trade that time back? So it seems to be like this, this endless loop. <laughs> there is, a, <laughs> what there is says, another, another great um, guy, Ari Meisel. He's able to run a seven figure business working one hour a week with three kids. And he has, I forget which disease he has, but he basically had to master the art of productivity and, and time management because he had a disease that required like six hours of attention per day. He had a family to raise, a business to run. And he figured out how to automate everything so perfectly where he can run a seven figure business working one hour a week. And uh, the answer is, I know, I know it's possible, but I also know, like you said, like that's how life works is that when you're young and you don't have money, you have to sacrifice time for money. And then once you're older, you build, you have more money you have to sacrifice money for time uh, essentially. So I know it, it is that kind of a yin and yang in a way. Yeah, totally. So I know I, I oh, go yes. off on um, so I yeah. apologize. <laughs> no, that's good. No, that's good. Uh, yeah, it's a good, good topic. So I'd love to hear, um, yeah, thanks again for talking about, yeah, like 
talking about posting on Reddit, being the go-to person on that, talking about Pinterest. Like if people are going to talk about remodeling a house, like, oh my gosh, there's a local contractor in your area who can help you get this exact remodel. Like that, that's brilliant. Tell us more about the case study of scaling that pool company from 30 pools to 1300 pools. I'd love to hear more of uh, what went behind into that and behind that. And I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, no, sure. If you go to ewrdigital.com and then like about us, we have a ton of testimonials and case studies that we put on the site. I believe, I'm not sure if that specific one is on there because we've used them to apply for different like applications for like AMA and stuff like that. And this is more of kind of over the course of like the last eight years, what we've done for them. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it goes back to our methodology of you start with a good website that is good at converting traffic. And then you build up a base of organic search of people seeking out your product and finding you for long tail key phrases and core words. And then you add on remarketing, then you add on paid media, and then maybe you start doing some PR or email drips and you automize, automate the sales process. Like there's, it's just kind of a, a fundamental process that almost all businesses go in. And typically you, you try to catch the low hanging fruit first and then you layer on stuff. So a lot of their clients come to us and they start spilling in X. And then by the end of it, they're, you know, in a year or whatever, they're spending Y or Z or whatever. And it, it's pretty fundamental. Now, here's what I can tell you to kind of bring it back to podcasting. There is a testimonial on there where we had somebody come to us uh, with a very low budget. We're talking like under five grand. Okay. They had under five grand mm -hmm. and it was a supplement company and they wanted to like launch the supplement brand, right? They had a couple other supplements, but they want to launch this supplement brand. And they came to us and they said, Hey, you know, you've been a great digital marketing agency for us. We want to launch this new product, but we don't really have any kind of money to like kickstart it. So we have really low budget. What do you think we should do? Right? So we did a strategy session and out of the strategy session, we decided that we think you need to get on a bunch of podcasts, like top 100 podcasts and just talk about your product because it's very novel. It's very unique. Yeah. And I think people could relate to it. And so we got on, it was healthcare, right? It's healthcare. So we got him on Dr. Gundry. Uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Gundry, but we got him on mm -hmm. Dr. Gundry, who's like a Dr. Oz or whatever. He's like, a, oh, yeah. a, like he's like very much up there. And we got him on his podcast and we got him on like a big testosterone podcast as well, which it wasn't testosterone, but but it was health and like men's health. And it was, it was like a longevity type product. And he's actually now starting a podcast that we're helping him with called Live Beyond the Norms. Like we're helping him launch it, but because he's just sold on the, the model of podcasting, but we got him on like podcast pitch and got him on a bunch of different podcasts and $50,000 in revenue, like out of the gate. Okay. Wow. And that was oh off of like getting him on like four or five different podcasts. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we set up affiliate codes and everything. So you could see, like, it, I mean, it was, wait, I mean, it was, a, I think it was like, if you look on the, on our site, it's, I think it's a 73 X, 73 X ROI. So wow. what is it? What is a Grant Cardone is, you know, nine X or 10 X or whatever, like mm -hmm. podcasting 73 X, like ROI. Jeez. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so, I mean, like, I just get to, you know, I get the privilege of working on all these different campaigns to get to see all these different kinds of things and seeing what's working. And that's really kind of how um, the conversation led to OGGN, uh, Oil and Gas Global Network, where I became the CMO of that is 
We just had a lot of experience with podcasts. We're in Houston. One guest big in Houston. And I, I knew one of the, the founders and we had known each other for like six years and socially, but we never talked shop. And at one point he called me and he was like, Hey, I think you do this stuff and I need help with a, a client of mine. Can you help me do all this kind of stuff? And I was like, like Whoa, wait, like I do all that stuff. You know, you're looking for, <laughs> yeah. you're looking for a, a vendor uh, to deliver services. And I was like, we can do all that. That's all in our wheelhouse. I'm not even stretching. That's all of what we do. And he goes, mm-hmm. Oh, well, I have a couple more deals like that. And then he's like, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. And I said, you know, looking at your podcast, I think we can help you grow that. Right. And so basically it became this very synergistic relationship where we're helping him grow the podcast. And then referral business is, is coming to us from the consulting and digital marketing standpoint. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been really a great partnership. And then, you know, it put me with PodFest and, and the experiences through that with a, a business that's driven all by sponsorships. Like we were talking in pre-interviews, like Amazon Web Services, HP, NOV, you know, United Airlines. I mean, there's just a ton of uh, IBM. I mean, there are a ton of big sponsors that are trying to reach the oil and gas community. And that's the thing about podcasting. I think so impressive is it's, it's a new form of medium that reaches people where you can explain long form concepts, right? I mean, Joe Rogan is more popular than like all the news channels, right? Combined. So, yeah. Combined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, crazy. and, and I know you, you talked about him in, in the past. I mean, but it's an, it's the new medium, right? It's the new mm-hmm. medium. People like consuming that content. A lot of times we have people that binge watch or binge listen to our podcast and they just love the information and they feel like they get to know you. And I, I don't know. I think it's great. And I think big brands are now getting, getting with it on this is a, this is another media channel that we need to be optimizing for and going after. And I think it can be huge, you know? And so I've certainly, certainly seen that uh, as well. So I've seen like have your own podcast helped launch one for the better business bureau uh, during COVID when they were trying to get like testimonials and to, to kind of engage their customers. And, and that was a good, that was a good legion opportunity for me as well. Cause got to know some really good local brands and Hey, like, I think we can uh, help you with some marketing. Here's some things that I think you can do. And if you want to talk more, give me a call. Right. And that's kind of our sales. Uh, like I'm not hard selling anything. It's just like, Hey, here's some value. And if they want more value, they'll come back. Right. And then, yeah, the OGGN podcast thing has been, been pretty cool to be part of. That's pretty, pretty recent. So I've been doing that for about, about three months and it's been, it's been a ride, but that's another job, right? Add another hat to the email. Mm-hmm. So it's been pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I think people don't, it goes back to, you know, money isn't always sexy. And, you know, here you are talking about, yeah, we, we do a oil and gas network and we have these sponsors who are putting in thousands of dollars. Can you talk more about what does it mean to talk to an oil and gas audience? Like how do you even, yeah. What does it, what does that mean essentially? Well, so yeah, like, Basically, there's a different podcast for every segment. So there's like 14 different podcasts. So if you want to talk to onshore, there's an onshore podcast. If you want to talk about oil and gas tech, there's a tech podcast. You know, then, you know, there's, so there's a ton of them, right? Like, so there's a HSC podcast. Uh, and so really it's segmenting down the focus of discussion in a particular area. 
what I've found that it's more of as well is it's more of like community building community, right? So you're interviewing different people that are all kind of like oil and gas is like good old boys for the most part. I mean, it certainly has changed, but a lot of it's very closed. And so you're interviewing people that you know, and you're interviewing people in the industry. And there's a lot of times on these interviews, you're going to maybe know somebody, right? And so then it becomes relevant to what you're doing in this conversation. Well, advertisers go, I want that person to hear what I'm saying or that Mm. type of person to hear what I'm saying. So it's essentially another way of just for oil and gas. And certainly I think podcasting is very fragmented. So over time though, I think you'll have different channels and things will be segmented out, but it's like targeting job titles on LinkedIn. Like you can run an ad on LinkedIn and target all the people of HSC job titles. Right now, you can't do that on Facebook as much, but you can do that on job titles on LinkedIn. Well, you know that this podcast, if you're selling some widget or some service to HSC professionals, you know, to be on that podcast, whether you're a, a sponsor where they read it in or they interview on that podcast, or they even have an option of a pitch podcast where they take a sales presentation and, you know, make it into like a really high end commercial engaging storytelling you're going to reach that community in a way that you're going to build trust and you're going to build engagement and they're going to view you as a safe company because you're part of the community. Does that make sense? And, yeah. and, and so it's very, very, very niche. So it's inside oil and gas. There's probably other people that are like, Hey, we have an oil and gas podcast or we have an oil and gas and manufacturing podcast. This is like, we have that. And they started with that, but, and like oil and gas news or whatever, but now it's like each segmented area because you know, you got oil and gas, you got upstream, midstream, downstream, you got landmen, you got geoscientists, you got, well, Bitcoin mining. That's, that's where I'm interested in. Okay. To bring it back to something I'm interested mm-hmm. in. like, but web three and Bitcoin mining, that was, that was actually where like one of the big sparks came from. And so we're going to build a whole segment around ESG, which is carbon credits and offsetting carbon credits in the oil and gas industry. And, and I'm working with some companies that are doing that. And then Bitcoin mining, right? Trap gas wells. So gas is really expensive. Running pipes are really expensive. Hey, we have a bunch of gas that we're flaring and we're just wasting it. Well, that could run a steam turbine that could power a Bitcoin miner that could actually turn that power, that trap gas into money. And so, so I have a buddy of mine that like, they wanted me to be the host. And I was like, no, I'm not the right person for that podcast, but I know somebody. And so we got that interview set up. So we'll be launching that in like a month or so, but we're going to build out a segment that oil and gas focused, but also touching crypto. And so really the core is oil and gas, but then we segment it out. It's all about a focused audience in a niche is, is what it's about. And, and you don't need a ton of people, uh, all the different kind of build your community. What is it? Uh, who are the names I'm thinking about? There's some really great great books out there um, that I've read. I'm trying to think of who it is. I'll, I can look at my audible or whatever. I haven't, I haven't had time to, to listen to a lot of books recently, but what I'll tell you is it's all about growing that community, but growing those raving fans. Right. And when, mm-hmm. and, and you only need a thousand is I, I think a lot of what I've heard is a thousand raving fans. You can grow at seven figure business, no problem. And it's all about understanding who your customers are and speaking to your customers and even like email automation. I'll tell you, people go, how often should we email? And I said, well, how close do you want to be with your customers? 
Like, mm. yeah, you and I, Andrew, like, Hey, we're, we, we like know each other and we'll comment on a Facebook stuff, but we're not talking monthly. We're not talking mm. weekly, but we're not talking daily either. But if we were doing those things, how much closer would we be? How much mm-hmm. more business would we refer? How much more would we do those things? Right. We're maybe in this kind of like know each other, colleagues, acquaintances category of like maybe quarterly or whatever. So well, I know people sometimes it. get overwhelmed with daily emails, but then is the counter to that, well, then that's not your audience if they can't handle daily emails. Well, if you're saying something of value and you have a relationship with that person, they're mm-hmm. going to want your emails. Now, mm-hmm. if, if it's not segmented right and you're talking about content that's not helpful, it starts to go on the bell curve towards spam. So the reality is, I mean, anybody that started the podcast um, that's grown it or whatever, they usually respond to every single person and, and they like every single person's stuff. And they know, they know those people. They know the people that are listening and they've invested time in getting to know them and building their community first before they expand. And then other people start to bring it in. But yeah, if you're sending an email daily, it's okay. Like there's emails that you're probably getting daily from people that if, whether you're doing business with them or family or whatever, that you're, those emails are welcome, right? Well, there's also people that are calling you daily that maybe you want to talk to weekly, like that might be too much. Or people that are calling you weekly that might, like I have a couple of vendors that are like always asking me for more business. And I'm like, I know you're there. And like, yes, like once a month, like, Hey, do you have anything for me? But you don't need to hit me up weekly and you don't need to get on my calendar and you don't need to like try to sell me stuff. Like, I know you're there. I know what you do and I don't have a fit. And if you're telling me the same thing, like it's not helpful. So, yeah. so it's all about that communication channel of what's the right fit and how close are you going to be? And if you're not willing to write those emails every day and in, engage with those people and follow up with everything, then you might not want to be doing like daily emails, right? Or, or, or whatever, you, you got to figure out what's the right fit for you and what's the right fit with your audience. I mean, we've found with our clients, right? So I do a internal podcast or a, uh, you know, a video newsletter monthly. And I found that that's to be right is I do a video and then I have account managers that talk to clients weekly. And, mm-hmm. and I've found that to be the right fit is, and then they're talking, you know, they have a set meeting once a week, but they talk more often than that. Right. And, but it's, we're gauging it per person on what they need for their business. And certainly early on, it might be more, and then it might be less later on when we kind of have it figured out, but you have to gauge that. And so that's the big thing about emails is it's not too many. It's who's your audience, how segmented is it? And is it the right information? Because if it's not the right information or it's not segmented, it kind of starts to move towards that like unwanted category. Yeah. And so you got to, you got to work on that sweet spot of looking at open rates, looking at topics, looking at responses, click throughs to decide what is right. But again, I think you just start with building a network or building a core team or a core group or a core community that you're part of. And so I think it's better personally to join different communities because then you're not on the emphasis of driving everything, right? And so, but if you have the time and effort to create your own community, you should do that. But, but I, we're, we're at the point that I need to hire like moderators. And, you know, if we, you know, we do a, a Facebook group, like you got to have people like engaged in there 
or it's not valuable. I've actually seen in some masterminds and different things, there's an automated setup for the first whatever of people get get all these kind of messages. And so sometimes you have to do that. You have to go, okay, what is the perfect experience that I'd like everybody to have? And I don't have the time to do it. So I'm going to spend the time to create the automation to to engage them in this way, because we know 80% of the time they might act similar, right? If you're targeting the same audience. And so again, all those analytics, all that strategy, that's a lot of what I'm doing every day is building that out for clients. And then I have a team of experts in different areas that are executing that stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and uh, another question kind of comes to mind is, is it a cheat code to make a podcast tailored towards the oil and gas industry? Because obviously they have a lot of money, like, you know, what's stopping people from making podcasts about the diamond industry or about, I guess, uh, cyber security industry or, or like the top money-making industries or is our podcast dedicated talking to Apple users or, or something like that? Uh, I'm curious your thoughts about that. So one of the guys, one of the crypto companies that I'm working with, like I've, I've actually invested in his like, private placement. Like we haven't done marketing for him yet, but we've been talking. He was a speaker at an event that I went to really like him. He was telling me he built a before podcast, a magazine. Like you remember Nintendo had all the cheat codes in the Nintendo, like how Mm -hmm. to get through that. That thing was so popular for most people. And everybody was like waiting for that. And that was kind of, I think the community back then is, you know, getting in there and you know, then now you got online all that. But what this guy did is for Windows. So my my mom actually was like one of the first employees of Microsoft. So I kind of saw the tech oh, stuff. Oh, cool. Happen. Nice. Yeah, I know. It's really cool. And I was playing games. I was I was the first, like, everybody's playing football outside, you know, on the street. And I'm playing like uh, dial-up modem, engaging games in beta with some of my mom's coworkers, you know, like uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, doing mm-hmm. the first kind of internet gaming, uh, online gaming. But what I, what I would say is that, man, I totally lost uh, what you're asking me, but yeah. So the community, so this guy, yeah, yeah. So this guy on the community, he developed the windows, like 95 weekly booklet or something like that. I don't remember what it was, but I think he sold it for like a hundred million dollars. Okay. Wait, what? Wait, back up. Wait, what? Okay. Like I, I actually don't know, like, but I remember in conversation with them, he built up this magazine that was like a weekly magazine, which was just kind of like a, po- a weekly podcast or mm-hmm. a weekly newsletter or whatever, but it was for the Windows space. It was like a Windows support thing. And I think Windows mm-hmm. either bought it from them or something like that, but he, he made a ton of money. I don't know exactly, but it, it was like, mm-hmm. I think it, I don't know if it went public or I don't remember the whole story. I need to ask him, but the answer is yes. Like, and I, I know a guy that I, I ran into a guy that's doing solar and he's big into solar. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, I was on a solar podcast like a while back. And he named the guy that I was on the podcast with. And then the guy that had the podcast reached out to me and was like, how do you know so-and-so, you know, because it's a community, right? Like, and yeah. so you're a podcaster for a community, you become that fixture. So these guys are at a lot of the oil and gas events. They get paid to be at them. They do a lot of live stuff and interviews and conferences and all that. And so they're like part of the fixture of the community. And there's a couple other ones out there too, that actually spun off the OGGN network. But yeah, I, I think, so that's for solar. I bet there's ones for diamonds. Like if you can figure out, if you have information to add in a particular segment, just like healthcare, right? I mean, there's a ton yeah, of healthcare, but I, but I think, yeah, like, but I don't think you start one unless you really have some value to add to the national conversation. That's the thing also with blogs. Here's a big pro tip. 
basically when you write a blog, you look at the first two pages of Google and you figure out what is not being said that, that you believe needs to be added to the national conversation. And you write a blog about that, either adding to something that somebody said, and then you reference it with anchor text links and backlinks and whatever, or you go the opposite and you say, actually, a lot of people are talking about blank, blank, blank. I actually think it's completely different than that. I think it's blank, blank, blank. That's how you're going to rank in Google. Adding to the national conversation, Google's trying to index all information in the world and it's trying to organize it. And so, you know, if you're saying something that's different than what other people are saying that you're adding to that national conversation and that information's good and it's in a format that Google can understand, it's going to certainly put you up there because that's adding value to the database of information. I mean, we're almost sideboards right now with all the wearables and, yeah. and everything, you know, using your phone. I mean, this is a, a appendage, like, right? Like it is like, you can't do anything. I mean, I ask it how to spell sometimes, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it's like, and it's funny, Elon Musk, you know, I've watched some of his stuff and he's like, actually our inputs to accessing the supercomputer or high brain has gone down from the keyboard to the, the, the thumbs and so that's why he's saying like the, the, whatever the chip, you know, the, I don't know, Neuralink or whatever it's called is going to speed up just that access point. But if you think about this, you know, information that you had on the phone, that's part of your ability and your knowledge base, right? So we're, you know, we're contributing to that by creating this content in this way. And, and the machine learning and AI is going to learn that, you know, it's SETI it now, or, or it's, it's like aware. Oh yeah, the, there's Elon rumors of that. But yeah, people crazy. are saying it's just a rumor, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. I, I guess. Yeah, I, guess I mean, we'll I mean we're getting close. <laughs> we're getting close. I think in yeah. the next couple of years, AI technologies continues to get better and better. But but yeah, so. Well, yeah, and I know we have a couple minutes left here, so I'll make sure we're, we're out of here in time. So I guess the last couple of questions we have for you is: if people are listening to this whole interview, what's the one takeaway you, you want them to have? Your time is your most precious commodity. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, tell, tell us more about that. I think, you know, kind of throughout this podcast, we were kind of lining out um, some of those things. But I think, you know, if you have time, you know, figure out like you're going to figure out how to get more, more wealth or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And if you have more wealth, you're trying to figure out how to get more time. And so I would just say, like, enjoy the journey, but understand that you only have so much time and you just never know you know, a lot of people in their life can probably relate to people, relationships they've had and they, whether it's, you know, a death to like a, a relationship that you value, like you never, you never know where that's going to go. Right. So you never know where that's going to go and you never know how much time you personally have. You never know with health, what's going to happen. I, there's a girl an influencer. I went to school with her, you know, good friend. She was doing great. She was building a great business. She's super healthy. Like, you know, like she had a great family, you know, I was following her on social media and, you know, like saw her at events and like, she's, she was doing big things, right. She was doing big things. And, you know, you're like, she's going to live forever and she's going to be healthy. And she's got three kids and, you know, like great husband and like great life and like everything, right. Like she was doing awesome car accident died. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, so you, you're right. Like, like, and you're like, she's gone. And like all her friends are like, she's gone. And wait, you know, every, so I went to a small private school. And so, you know, like everybody know, knows everybody like really well and stays together and boom, like gone. Right. And then 
Uh, one of the guys on my team actually just had a brain surgery. So, you know, he's fine. He's okay. I, I heard from him actually today, but you know, he went in for a, a jaw abscess or something with a tooth. They did an MRI and then boom, he had a, a, a melanoma brain tumor that they had to go do brain surgery. And he actually pushed it out a month to like get like his affairs in order because you just never know. And he's young. And so, you know, I, I, I just, you know, health's important. Time's important. Don't, sacrifice all your time to work to think that you're going to have this golden retirement because you never know. So it, it's about the journey. And if you, if you have the time, enjoy the time or do productive things, but your time is incredibly valuable. And, you know, a lot of things that I wish is, I wish I would have built a better process sooner mm. because I'm doing things I don't need to be doing now. And I wish I could be doing other things. And always the things that I'm doing now, once I, um, hand those off, I always fill it up with something else new. And, and usually it's more exciting or whatever, um, or more impactful or what have you. But if you don't have that time, you don't know. So the further you can do that, the faster you'll move along and, and certainly enjoy the journey along the way. Yeah. No, uh, so, such great advice, Matt. Thank you so much. Um, as you wrap up here, what, what are the best ways people can contact you, get a hold of you, learn from you, let us know the best ways to get in touch? Yeah, no, I've been doing a lot of stuff on LinkedIn right now, Matt Bertram Live. So also, if you don't have your own handle, go buy your own handle. Like that's really <laughs> yeah. important. I bought, a, I just recently bought MatthewBertram.com. I want to buy Matt Bertram, but I bought MatthewBertram.com because somebody else had that. I need to build that out. So that'll be a great way by the time someone listens to this podcast to find me. But really, uh, Matt Bertram Live on LinkedIn, you can find me there. That's a great place or best SEO podcast gives you the syndication out to everything there. And then our agency, ewrdigital.com. And, and you can, you know, contact us or request a discovery call uh, there. But really, like, I think you got to pick the platforms and stay on the platforms. And I think probably LinkedIn is is the best platform. I got to get through all the, you know, it, it might take some time, you know, to get through all the stuff, but I'll typically spend some time on that. And that might be be one of the best forms to, to find me. Yep. Perfect. Well, this has been awesome, Matt. Thank you so much. This concludes another episode of Rapid Results, everyone. And we'll see you all next week. Cheers, y'all. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.